Well, hey, good evening, everybody. Merry Christmas. Well, uh, if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here, and we really are so excited that you are here with us uh, over this weekend. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, I think that a lot of us at different stages of our life try to make sense of all the things that are happening in our lives, right? And uh, we like to take an event that is handed to us and go, you know what, I know where this event goes. And just for a moment, I want you to imagine this tree represents my life, it represents your life. And we like to think that all of these dots are connected, right? All of the points in the tree, all of the branches, everything is connected and everything fits. Everything has a place. And we get an event and um, maybe you met somebody, right? And, and that girl or that guy, they are like the love of your life. And you just know, like, they are the one. You get engaged, you're going to get married, and you know where that, one, that event goes, right? And so you just figure out, okay, that's going to go right there. Well, eventually, you, you get that job that you really, really wanted. And then it leads to a promotion, then another promotion, and you know exactly where that event goes, right? You're excited. Your gifts and abilities are all lining up, and you go, okay, this, this is going to go right here. And that's, it just fits. Eventually, you get pregnant, and you're excited. Your family is growing. Your friends are excited. Your family's excited for you, and you're like, you know what? I know exactly where this event goes. And you find a place, and you look back, and you're like, man, that, that all just makes sense. If you're a parent, eventually your kid will graduate high school. Yes, right? Hopefully. Maybe they go to college, and they even graduate college, and you're like, yes, see you later. Sorry if you're in college or high school, but you know where that event goes, right, Mom, right, Dad? Right? You're going to figure out where it goes, and, and you're able to stand back and look at your life and go, okay, all of these points, all of these dots, they all connect. They all make sense. But you know what? Every now and then, life hands you an event like this. It's just, it doesn't fit, right? We don't like it when things are random, and we certainly don't like it when something happens that was unexpected or unlikely. And, and so you met the love of your life. You guys got engaged. You were married. Things were going really, really well. And all of a sudden, he or she stopped doing something, or they started doing something completely different, and your marriage just went off the rails, and you were handed this divorce. You walked through a really messy situation, and you thought, where... Where does this fit? It doesn't even make sense. I wouldn't have choreographed it for myself, but here I am. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out where that goes. Or maybe that job that you loved, I mean, it was your idea. It might have been your company. You might have started it. You were the catalyst, or, or your department was growing. It was thriving. I mean, what are they going to do without you? And all of a sudden, you found yourself without a job. And 
Thanksgiving has passed, Christmas is almost here, and you thought by now you'd have a job, or at least you'd have a better job, and you're wondering, where, where do I put this? I mean, this clearly doesn't fit with my life. Or maybe you or someone you love got sick. I'm not talking about a cold. I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking really, really sick. And you're wrestling with that event, wondering, where does this go? Does this even fit with my life? I know some of you this year, you've had a loved one pass away. Whether it was expected or unexpected, it hurts a lot. And so where does this fit? What do you even do with something like this? You, you try to figure out where it goes and it doesn't really fit. I wouldn't have written my life that way. And it has this capacity to bring these big bumps and it causes us, I know it causes me to ask questions like why? Why did that happen? Why did that happen now? Why did that happen to me? God, if you're so much in control, why is this going on? And we want to know why. But every now and then, we step back and we look. And we try to figure this out. And I think that's natural. And the Christmas story has a way of colliding with all of these things and showing us that God has dipped down into humanity, taken all of these events, the ones that were random, the ones that were unlikely, the ones that were unexpected, and showing us that they have a plan. And today, I just want to read a portion of the Christmas story and talk about some of these unlikely events. And I want to look at an individual who experienced some unlikely events. And so if you have your Bible, go to Luke chapter 1 with me. Luke chapter 1, if you don't have a Bible, we have it on the screen here. Uh, an angel, angel Gabriel, comes to this young lady named Mary. Mary could have been anywhere from 12 to 15 years old. She's likely a teenager. She's engaged to this guy named Joseph, and it's a pretty strong thing. It, it's almost like marriage, but not quite, and it's a big deal. And, she, and the angel says, hey, Mary, you are pregnant. And she's like, hold on, time out. But me and Joseph, like, we haven't even, like, held hands yet. Like, how is this all happening? Here's what the angel says. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. I mean, that sounds pretty unlikely. Not unlikely that a young lady would get pregnant, because women get pregnant all the time. But it is unlikely that a young lady who was a virgin would get pregnant. And just think about this. You know, when you think about world religions and you think about gods, gods are supposed to be big and strong and powerful. And yet Jesus is coming into humanity as a baby, small, weak, dependent on his mother. Not only that, he wasn't rich. He didn't come with fanfare. He was born into a pretty ordinary family. They come from a pretty small town of Nazareth that nobody had ever heard of, and this is Jesus. Now drop down to chapter 2. 
All of this seems highly unlikely. Verse 7, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So the baby sleeps in a manger, which, by the way, is a feeding trough for the animals. So they're in this, this cave tucked away with all sorts of animals. It smells like a petting zoo. And here is Jesus. All seems pretty unlikely. But not only that, the king of Israel, a man named Herod, gets wind of all of this, starting putting the pieces together of, of a baby, of a coming Messiah, of a king, and he hears about this, and he gets pretty nervous. And by the way, this is a man who has the full backing of the Roman Empire. Notice how he responds. He's pretty scared, which, by the way, seems pretty unlikely, right? Matthew chapter 2, here's what happens. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Verse 3, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this as was everyone in Jerusalem. King Herod, the king of the Jews, has the full backing of the Roman Empire, and he is freaking out. He's terrified of a baby. All seems pretty unlikely. But take a look at what happened next. Verse 16, Herod, Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him, and he sent soldiers to do what? To kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. I mean, this guy is psycho, right? He just completely loses his mind, which... Fear has a way of doing that, doesn't it? Fear just starts to take over your mind. It consumes your body. And he's starting to think things that are not even rational. Herod is scared. All of that seems unlikely. It seems out of place. Why would God allow this to happen? You see, Joseph gets a dream from the angel Gabriel, and they pack up and, and they leave. They skip town. They miss all of this. God was working all of those events out. See, here's the thing. The unlikely events that Jesus endured were all for you. Jesus came as a baby, grew up, had an ordinary upbringing and then when he was around 30, he started a public ministry, began teaching people, doing miracles, all sorts of amazing things happened for three years. And then he was carried off, tortured, and put on a cross and killed for your sins and for my sins. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 5.18. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation. It brings judgment for everyone. 
But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Let me, let me explain that, right? Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. God says, do whatever you want, go wherever you want, but don't touch that one tree. Don't eat the fruit off of that one tree. So what do they do? They go right over to that tree, and they touch that one tree, grab that fruit, start eating off of it. And all of a sudden, sin is there. It's in their DNA. It's baked into who they are. They pass that sin down to their kids, their grandkids, their great-grandkids, all the way down to you and me. You and I, we are spring-loaded to sin. Adam's one sin brings condemnation or judgment for everyone. All of us deserve judgment. But Jesus came, died on the cross. He lived a perfect, sinless life, the life that you and I should have lived. He died a, criminal, a criminal's death, the death that you and I should have died. And he made forgiveness possible. Jesus, the King of Kings, the perfect Savior, came as a baby into this world, lived that sinless life, and died the death on the cross for your sins and mine. Those unlikely events produced something worth celebrating. You see, the most unlikely events tend to produce incredible celebrations. Now, I know you hear that phrase and you're like, Tim, <laughs> look at this. The divorce, that didn't bring any celebrations. That was hard. That was painful. That was torture. And I get it. They tend to. They have the ability to. Maybe not right there in that immediate situation, but as you step back and look at your life, it's possible that God is using all of these events, the big ones, the small ones, the ordinary, the unlikely, the random, all of that to work out something greater in your life. Here's the thing about these events. We take these events like this and we're like, this, this is ugly. This doesn't fit. This doesn't feel good. It certainly doesn't look good on that tree, right? That, that's my life. It feels wrong. But God doesn't want that life for you. He wants this life for you. Number next. You guys recognize that tree? You should. It came from Vestal, right in your backyard, right? This, this 80-foot tree, right? Those ornaments look great on this tree. That is the life that God has for you. That is the life that God has in mind for you, right? They, pit, they, they fit perfectly on that 80-foot tree, all lit up, right in front of Rockefeller Center. It looks amazing. Now, I'm not saying if you give your life to Jesus, it, your life will be perfect without struggle, but he will... He will radically change your life. He'll give you greater character, greater capacity, greater understanding, and that's the life that he wants for you, that he wants for me. Unlikely good events, they produce incredible celebrations. Unlikely events that you and I would look at, that's, that's bad, that's hard, 
That was terrible. That was grueling. We look at all of that, and God says, I have a plan. I have a way of bringing all of those things together. See, Jesus went to the cross for you and for me. The unlikely events that he suffered, they were all for you. You see, you can, you can follow Jesus no matter what's happened in your life. Whether it was a divorce or sickness or grief or loss of a job or something else, he's simply asking you and me, will you trust me? Will you follow me? Because he loves you. He cares for you. If you're here today and you have never asked Jesus to be your savior and you feel God tugging on your heart, don't ignore that. I'm not here to manipulate you or, or take advantage of an emotional Christmas Eve service, but I want you to know that if you're here, you can ask Jesus to be the leader of your life and to forgive your sins. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. You can just pray with me. You guys can all just close your eyes. If you want to make Jesus the leader of your life, you can pray this. Father, thank you for the unlikely birth of Jesus. Thank you that Christmas was only the beginning. I need your forgiveness for my sin. Thank you for Jesus and the work that he accomplished on my behalf. I believe that Jesus died for me and I trust that you have forgiven me through him. Thank you for forgiveness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that for the first time, God's tugging on your heart. Don't leave without talking to somebody. Talk to me. Find somebody with a blue and white name tag. Talk to somebody on the band because we would love to have that conversation with you. Would you stand? Join our worship team as we sing.